Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Stan Bell serving you well, pushing more power than a Duracell. I'm hanging out with the double E, Ina Esco, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Let's go. I'm Doc Holliday, sports director at ABC 24, Local 24. I'm here with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. James Alexander is an American soul and R&B musician. He is a longtime member of the band The Barcades, for which he plays bass guitar. He also is the father of noted hip-hop and R&B producer Jazzy Faye. James Alexander was the bassist for The Barcades when four of the six band members, including Jones, were killed in the same plane crash that claimed the life of soul singer Otis Redding. Alexander was the only Barcades member not aboard that flight as the plane, a beachcraft owned by Redding, only held eight occupants, Redding, five of the Barcades, the pilot, and Redding's road manager. It was Alexander's turn in the rotation to board a commercial flight to the next destination. Alexander had the task of identifying the bodies of his bandmates as well as that of Otis Redding. After the crash, Ben Cauley, the sole survivor among those who were aboard the plane, worked with Alexander to reform the band. Subsequent work included the soundtrack recording of the Academy Award-winning theme song from the 1971 feature film Shaft, on which Alexander played bass guitar. As of 2010, Alexander continues on as the only original member and still active with the Barcays. much for tuning in to episode 153 of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I'm your host, your double E, Ina Esco, and thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to check out the merch on the website on all social media platforms at Ina Esco. That's E-N-A-E-S-C-O. But I am ecstatic today because we have a true legend on the podcast today. He is an American soul artist, R&B musician, bass player, longtime member of the Barcades. I have James Alexander with me. How are you, James? Hey. Hey, how you doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You know, it's kind of it's kind of early for me. It's either early for me or late for me. You know, I was just telling, I was just telling my uh, my friend Renisha. I said, look, you know, in order for me to do this thing this early, you know, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to stay up all night. <laughs> so, so if I sound a little groggy, it's because I've been up all night. Okay. I got you, but you sound good this morning, and you're looking good, James. You're looking good. Thank you for joining me today, because you know, I mean. You are indeed a true music legend here. I've heard so many stories about the Barcades, about sax, and I am just elated that you are joining me today to share your journey. So we're going to get started from the beginning. What part of Memphis are you from, James? Oh, South Memphis. You know South it. Memphis. College of Macklemore. College of Macklemore. You know, let me, let me just tell you a little bit about that. Please do. Uh, for all people that know anything about South Memphis, uh, about Macklemore Avenue, about College of Macklemore and all of that, you know, Stax is on Macklemore. In fact, the address for Stax Records is 926 East Macklemore, Lamore, right? right? Okay. okay. Would, you, Would believe you believe that, that I, was I was born, born at, at 925 East, East Macklemore? Really? Wow. wow. Right, right there. there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, you know my friends, friends just, you know, they, they just, you know, they, you know, they just, just try to make some, some a joke out of it. They say I was born in a veterinarian. But it was actually, but actually, it was a clinic right across the street, which that's called Mattlemore Clinic. And I was born, I was born in that clinic. And, uh, I had no idea that I would end up at Stacks. Just across the street, you know, directly up state. Right. Wow. So, so, so tell me about growing, growing up, up in South Memphis, Memphis back in the day, day James. How, How was it for you, you know, just growing up in South Memphis? You know, growing up in South Memphis was, it was actually great, you know. It was, it was, I think it was the neighborhood. Everybody knew everybody. We knew all the, we knew all the hoodlums. We knew all the thugs. You know, because all the thugs used to hang, hang, hang out on the college of Baltimore. Yeah. You know, so you know, like Black Sam and football and all these these thugs used to hang out on college of Baltimore. So you know, but everybody knew everybody. Yeah. You know, so it was real community oriented. You know. Wow. What school did you go to? I went, I went to Porter, Porter Junior High. Porter. Uh, well, first of all, let's just back up a minute. Okay. Uh, you said you, you, you went to the Moore and Horn, right? I did. Okay. The parking lot of the Moore and Horn over there off of Saxon? Yes. That used to be a private school called Lutheran Cooperative School. I went. I started out in kindergarten there up to the fourth grade, and then from the fourth to the sixth grade, I went to another school in the, in the neighborhood called Cummins Elementary. Okay. Then I then I went from Cummins Elementary to Porter Junior High, and from there across the street to BTW. Okay. High School. Yes, BTW. Look, look. We lead and others follow. Yes. Oh, wow. Now, James, when you were growing up, going to school, what were you into? What type of activities were you involved in? And did it include music back then? No. Uh, I must say that I had some strict parents. And I got both of their souls, my mom and my dad. Had it been left up to my mom, I would not be doing nothing. I mean, she didn't want me to do nothing. You know, she didn't want me to do anything. I mean, I went, was you know, when I was in junior high school, I went and told her that I wanted to play football. No, no, I don't want you to play football. I don't want my baby to get hurt. You know, she was that type of mom. I would take this. Yeah, she did. Then I went to her, said I wanted to be in the band. And she said, Oh, oh no, I don't want you to play in the band. You're going to be out there with those loose women. Now, what are you going to do with loose women? Back? Back? I mean, I'm in junior high school. I don't even know anything. I hadn't even discovered, you know, you know, about women at that particular point in my life. Right. Anyway, so I think my dad was telling my mom, he said, look, he told my mom, he said, look, just, just let, let that boy, boy be a boy. boy. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like a daddy. daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said, let, let, let him be a boy. boy. If he wants to do some stuff, let him do some stuff. Okay. So, so I mean, my dad was, I mean, really, really, really behind me on that. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy. Now, did your dad have any experience with musicianship at all? Or he just encouraged you? No, my dad was an old school player. Old school player, player. Yeah, yeah player, player. player. So he was like six three, three tall, dark, dark chocolate. chocolate. You know, you know, with, you know well dressed man, uh, all of that. You know, girlfriend, little five doors down phones. Well, us. Okay. Like, like yeah. yeah, I got like it. Yeah, player, player. Golly. Well, okay. So, Daddy encouraged you to go ahead and pursue music. So, what was your introduction to music, James? My introduction. My mom, when I, when I was very young, young I mean, I mean I, I, it, 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 it happened subliminally. You know, Bill Street, Street has always been a famous street in Memphis. My mom took me downtown to Bill Street, Street right? Mm -hmm. And we went, we went to see B.B. King and Bobby Blue Bland. And Hank Park, they were playing, they were performing on a flatbed truck. So people, you know, you know, kids, they probably laugh, they don't understand this. What they, what they did is they backed two flatbed trucks up together and made a stage out of them. 
and, and BK King and Bobby, Bobby Bland was, was performing there. You know, it's Andy Park free. free. Wow. Either one of them was stars at that point, but they was just, you know, on the come up. And however it happened, subliminally, that got into my system. And from that point to this point, life had never been the same for me. I didn't know it then, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I always wanted to be involved in music. Wow. wow. So, so you, you knew that's, that's what you wanted to do, wanted to do after seeing that. I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, but, but I mean, but, but actually, you know, uh, in junior high school and high school, I played football too. So, you know, I was pretty good at that, but I had to make, I had to make a decision, uh, whether to, you know, pursue music or football. And, and uh, it was it was, it was quite, quite an easy, easy decision. You're not going to try to get hit. hit. Yeah. <laughs> Let me go, go to someone a little more, you know, <laughs> that don't require contact, contact like, like right. that. Right. Now, what, now, what position, position did you play, play when you play football? Guard. Guard. Yeah. Okay. I know you was good. I know the ladies was like, ooh, James. Uh, no, no, not really. really. Like, like I said, when I was growing up, you're not, I mean, I mean, you know, I was, I was like a little PS Mary Go Boy, so, you know, okay. Back, back, you know, you know, the Vice Kid Brothers had it going on, on back then, so, you know, no, I was, I was kind of like, like medium brown skin, you know, a little kind of chubby, so I, you know, I didn't, you know, really wasn't much coming my way. I Okay, well, James, tell me, what did you do after you graduated for C? Well, well, when I, when I graduated from Booker T, T it's, it's, it's kind of weird. weird. While, While I was in high school, school you, know, you know, we used to play at nightclubs, really illegally, because, you know, back then, uh, the vice squad strictly enforced, if you weren't 18 years old, you weren't supposed to be in no nightclub, okay? But, you know, we were always in nightclubs. In fact, we were playing in a nightclub. If the, the address is 500 Bill. It's, it's a place called the Hippodrome. And it was, it was a skating rink by day, and it was a nightclub by night. night. Uh, so we were playing in the Hippodrome on this one Saturday night, and there was a concert at the Mid-South Coliseum. It's called a package show. It's about nine acts on the show. And like Sam and Dave, Carla Thomas, the Manhattans, uh, uh, Edwin Starr, and, and the headliner was Otis Reddy. So entertainers, you know, when they when they come to town to do shows, entertainers like to go, you know, they like to go to an after party, they like to go to the club, hang out after the show. So someone told Otis about this little band playing at this club called the Hippodrome, and they brought Otis down there. So Otis saw the band. And, and uh, Otis asked the club owner, said, you know, you, you think I can sit in with the band? And the club owner said, yeah, why don't you go and sit in with them? So what happened is, Otis came up there and sit in with us, and he was amazed because we knew his songs. So when we got to performing with him, he told the club owner, which Al Bell was one of the club owners, you know, Al Bell from Stax Records, he was one of the part owner of the club. He said, I, I need them to be my band, band. Like, like that. that. Wow. And, and uh, you know, Al Bell told me, say, these guys are still in high school. school. He said, I don't, it doesn't matter. matter. You know, you know I, I get them a tutor, take them on the road with me. So, you're going to have to talk to their parents about that. So, he talked to us, told us he really liked the band. Can I talk to your parents? He talked to our parents, said he wanted to take us on the road with him. Our parents said, no way, Jose. Oh, wow. Parents said, said, look, we weren't, we weren't going, going anywhere. anywhere. They, they were in with, with that. that. They weren't going, we were, we were not going to go anywhere until we graduated from high school. So, so today, we graduated from high school, believe it or not, that same day, you know how people throw the caps and gowns, they throw their hats up in the air, you know, and all of that, that ceremony, that graduation. We, we pulled the robes out. out. <laughs> 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 They looked through, through the cap up in the air and headed to the airport. Wow. And, and our first gig with Otis Redding was in New York City. Wow. wow. How, was How, was How was it? How was it, James, that first gig in New York? It was, it was, it was, it was in New York, New York City, York City at the Apollo Theater. 
sweat stains in there you know we had to put that uniform back on for the next show and in the apollo theater you know uh you didn't have to leave after the show you know i mean in fact parents would drop their kids off because they show movies between shows okay. so they uh so uh the apollo theater doubles as a daycare because parents would drop their kids off in the morning while they go to work and they leave the kids there all day Wow. And uh, so, so kids see all the shows. So I, I can, I can remember on a show, I was asking people out in the audience, I said, how y'all doing? And they looking at me like, I mean, Apollo, you know, it's cold. They didn't say nothing. I said, how y'all doing? And they still wouldn't say nothing. And then a dude hollered out and said, we're going to be doing great when you change clothes because he had been Ooh. there for two other shows. <laughs> and he saw the same uniform on. We had the same uniform on. We didn't have nothing to change into. We just had that one uniform. Wow. So we had, we had, we had to, you know, we, we had to just take that uniform off and, and hang it up and so, you know, some of the sweat could dry out, mm -hmm. you know, put it back on for the next show. Wow. Dude bust you out, didn't it? <laughs> oh, without question, he bust me out. Right. You know, New Yorkers are, are much different from, you know, down South folks. They very blunt. They gonna tell you how it is out there. Wow. Interesting. Now, back then, James, did you deal and did your bandmates deal with segregation on different levels back then? Like, was it different from, you know, African-American acts versus the white acts? How, how did, tell me about that. Oh, no question. Um, there was a club here in Memphis at the corner of, well, Bellevue and Kerr. There was a club called the Manhattan Club. It was a predominantly white club. Uh, the owner of the club put a guardrail around the stage. So the band was on stage, 
so the band couldn't go forward out into you know the audience where the people were because because it was just only white people out there the owner of the club caught a door behind the stage so that when we got through performing we had to go through this door and this door led to the parking lot so you know we we couldn't even stay in the club you know uh when we weren't playing so we would we were only used for our music and our music only. They didn't want us to mingle with the crowd or nothing like that. Mm. And, uh, but, but what happened one night, uh, some little girls, some, I shouldn't say girls, some little ladies, they slipped a note up to, you know, one of the guys in the group. They said, Hey, you know, we, we want to party with y'all. And, and then we said, Hey, you know, party with us. And they gave us this number and they said, you know, after the show, you know, we're going to be parked outside and y'all just get in. You don't have to even act like you're with us and like this, but just follow our car. So, you know, we, all of us, we just had one car. All of us piled in that one car. We followed them. They live in, they lived in like North Memphis on North Bellevue. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know what it is. Yeah. That was, that was predominantly white back in, the, in that time. So we followed them to their apartment. They said, you know, you could park just, you know, just don't even, don't even look like act like you with us. Just sneak mm. in the back. Okay. So we would we went. The, you know, it was three girls. I guess they were in college or whatever. Uh, we kind of like partied with them all night. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. it, I'm yeah, sure it was a, it was a, quite a few partying going on back in the day, right? Oh yeah, we were party animals, no question. <laughs> I mean, you know, just like uh. I mean, you, you know, we were kind of like Jewel or two. You know, we did all the things that um, that people do. You know, the only thing different then than now, you know, the biggest thing that would happen, there would be a fist fight. I mean, nobody's shooting nobody or nothing like that. You know, hey, man, you stepped on my shoes. And, you know, then pow, shot, you know. So it was just mostly fist fights. Uh, but, you know, we were smoking weed back then and all of that. So, you know, I mean, doing stuff that we weren't supposed to be doing. But, yeah. you know, it's all a part of growing up, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is, quite naturally. And I didn't know that you started so young, right out of high school. It was like, you know, your introduction to manhood was really with your band, like discovering life. Like, and you've been all over the world, right? All over the world. Um, you know, uh, the last year of Otis Redding's life, I was probably with him uh, every day. In fact, um, when he wrote Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, um, we were staying in San Francisco and in a hotel in downtown San Francisco, and he was staying out in the Sausalito. If, if you know anything about San Francisco, Sausalito, you have to go across the Golden Gate Bridge. And, uh, you know, you hear about uh, San Francisco, you know, like Alcatraz and all of that, uh, well, well, there's an island over there called Sausalito. And, you, and from that island, you can look back over and see the, the skyline of San Francisco. So he rented a houseboat. And so he stayed out there in the houseboat. And, uh, you know, he always had his guitar with him. So he called me in the hotel in downtown San Francisco. He said, can you get out to, the, um, to Sausalito? I said, hey, I'm going to get out there. <laughs> Oh man, just jump in a cab and come on. Well, back in that, now this was 1967. So we go from downtown San Francisco to Sausalito. It cost back then the 50, it was $55 in a cab. Oh, wow. So he, I said, I ain't got no 50. He said, just jump in the cab. When, when y'all get here, uh, I come out and pay the cab. So I went out there and I spent it. So he was strumming. Um, I spent all that time with him. He was strumming on the guitar, and uh, he had this song. He said, man, I got this song about the bay. He said, uh, you know, I left my home in Georgia, and he was just strumming on the guitar. And uh, before the day was over, he had what would end up being sitting on the dock of the bay. Wow. Which is one of the, uh, which is one of the, the, the largest, largest Selling, selling single, single songs, songs of, of all time. time. Yes, it, it is. is. I mean, everybody knows that. You probably can't see it, but um, uh, Atlantic Records awarded the triple platinum uh, single, single for sitting on the dock of the bay. Congratulations. Wow. 
Just yeah. been yeah. What a guy. I mean, you know, I owe so much to Otis Redding, Isaac Hayes, and David Porter. I mean, Booker T. Jones. These guys just mentored me. You know, they helped. Madison, I will come, come 
to Milwaukee and pick you up. I'm going to drop them off in Madison, then I'm going to fly back across the lake and pick you all up. Push about maybe a 15-minute flight, something like that. So we're sitting up, me and a gentleman by the name of Carl we sit up waiting on the flight, and the flight never came. So, you know, we got word. We start calling around and you know, you know, anybody heard from, from uh, this, flight? this flight? Nobody, Nobody had heard anything. So, so about three hours, three hours later, we got, we got word, word from uh, control, control towers that the plane went down. But that's, but that's all they knew. They didn't know nothing else. They said the plane had gone down. Then later on, they said the plane went down, and we don't think it was any survivors on the plane. Later on, they said some people from Madison, Wisconsin, pick us up to bring us to Madison. And, and uh, because, because uh, they did discover that the plane, plane had gone down, they discovered, discovered uh, you know, the brief on the plane. And then, and then later they started discovering bodies. So, so uh, I, had I had to go in and uh, identify, identify. Start identifying people. Uh, so, so I had to step up like uh, four, four days to identify, identify everyone. What were you thinking, James? What were you thinking? I mean, I'm sure you were totally traumatized at this point. I know this isn't happening. I was in shock. But, you know, I was the only person because when you're traveling as a group like that, whatever person is left, I mean, there's some kind of rule that's in place that that person has to stay around to identify everybody. You know, when you travel in a group like that, so I had to identify everybody. There was, there was one survivor, survivor a, gentleman a gentleman by the name of Ben Cawley. So, so he was in the hospital. So he was, so he was the, the only, only person on the plane that couldn't, that couldn't swim. swim. And because the plane crashed into a lake. lake. It, was it was in December, December so it was cold. And he and survived, he survived uh, the plane, plane crash. crash. So I went, so to, I went the to the hospital to see him. him. And, and he, he was in shock. shock. Have you ever seen a person looking at you but they can't respond to you? No. He was in shock. He couldn't respond. Wow. So, so I mean, that, that was, was uh, that, that, I mean, I, mean, I, remember, I remember that, that stuff, stuff like, like it was yesterday. yesterday. I, bet I, bet you you I bet you do. I bet you do. How were you able to move forward from that, James? And, you know, continue what is now the legacy of the Bar case. From, from that moment, moment in your life. life. How were you able to move on? Okay, well, no one, no one can, can really, really believe that this happened, happened when we were like, like teenagers. But we, but we had always said that. So, so you know, you know that, that, that gives me, 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 that uh, or any, any of us, whoever is left, left please, please carry on. on. Wow. And from that, that day, day to this day, day that, that always stuck in my mind. Carry, carry on, carry on. on. So, so the accident, the accident happened, happened in December, December of 1967. By April of 1968, I was, I was able, able to debut the new group. group. Wow. 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 Yep. yep. You, you moved right, right on, on and, and able, able to debut that group. group. How, How was, was it trying to, to, I guess, in, in some, some way, way feel the, the shoes, shoes of your, of your other, other members? members? It was difficult. It was difficult because, I mean, I mean you have, you have to understand. understand. I was just 17 years old, so very young. I didn't know I asked for a hold in the ground. I I like the entertainment, entertainment. I like, I like the, the entertainment, entertainment industry. industry. You know, you know uh, 
What, what is, is it about, about the base that you, that you love, love so much? much? The base is like, 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 why did you, did you, you know, hone, hone in, in on, on that, that particular, particular instrument? instrument? And, and what, what do you, do you love, love about, about that instrument? instrument? Well, first, well, first of all, let me tell you the backstory. backstory. I, I, I didn't really, really want to play bass. I wanted, I wanted to play drums. But when I went to the band room, you know, when, when, when I, I stood up in the band room, the uh, band director asked me, so what do you want to play? play? I said, I, I said, want to play, play drums. And he said, we don't need any more drums. Yeah. We need tuba players. You know the two is, right? Yes. Yes. So the phone, the big thing, the big ugly instrument, the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to play two if I wanted to be in the band. So I just transferred from two over to upright bass to electric bass. And it probably was a blessing in disguise because, but to start out with, I couldn't play nothing. You had, had to learn. learn. I had, I had to learn. learn. I had to learn. I was, I was horrible. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I was not, not good, good at all. Wow. wow. So, yeah. yeah. So, so but, 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 but uh, you know, I, in, I, in fact, fact uh, when, when the, 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 the way that, that I came into the bar cage to begin with, they had this guy that played bass. You know, he liked the bass, but he didn't own a bass. So, so I used to ride my bike over to, over to the rehearsal, rehearsal so he could so use my bass so, so they could rehearse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so one particular Saturday, you know, I, you know, I rode my bike over to the, to the rehearsal, rehearsal and he didn't show up. So, so they said, they said look, we're ready to start, start this rehearsal. rehearsal. So who's going to play bass? And they said, you. And I said, you know what, there's one problem. And they said, what is that? I can't, I can't play. play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so they said, we'll, we'll teach you something. We'll teach you a little something to play. play. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so, so the next Saturday, Saturday the, 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 a baseman came back, back and, and uh, you know, I had the bass, bass I was giving it to him. And they asked me, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm giving it to the bass so y'all can start rehearsing. He's no, He's no longer, longer the bass player. player. Well, who, who is the bass player, player now? now? It's it's you. 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 Nut. Nut. <laughs> <laughs> Nut. 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 Yeah, Nut. Yeah, but, but you know, know how, how to play that bass today, today, baby. baby. You, you know, know what you're doing. You didn't got good over the years. I don't know a little bit. Yeah. So much longevity. And, you know, so much has changed over the years in the music industry. And I know you've seen all of these different you know, you know, changes, changes arise, arise over, over the years, and, and you know, you, know, you, are, you the are the father of a famous, famous producer, producer as well, well Jazzy Faye, in the, the hip-hop hip world. So, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure, you know, you, know, you have, you made, have such made such an impact on your, on your son's life in the, in the music game, game as, as well. well. So, so tell, tell me about your relationship with your son. Oh, uh, my, my relationship, you know, he's, uh, you know, I have three boys. Okay. okay. And, and he is the middle son. son. Uh, he, he always used to ask me a whole questions. lot of questions. See, See one, one of the things that used to do with my boys is, I always told them when they were in school, if they did well in school during the school year, I let them go on tour with the Barcades and so because, you know, we was on the tour bus. And they'd be the chance to ride on the tour bus, bus and, and, and hang out with, you know, the, the caves, caves all, you know, during the summer. So, so he, he just, uh, you know, he, he just shouted me, he just followed me around, asked me questions, stuff like, like that. And that's, and that's how he had to do the business. And, you know, he knew everybody, just like I did. I mean, you know, like, I just, I know when Eddie LaRue used to come to town back in those days, he would, he would come to town, he would bring Gerald and bring with him. So, uh, you, know, you know, I've, I've had, had like Gerald and Charlotte R. Kelly, all these people in the backyard back playing, like, like, you know, little kids, kids playing. playing. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, they grew up, you know, for them to grow up, you know, what they are just amazes me still. Yes, you know, coming on up, like Three Six Mafia, all of these guys, I started all those guys out, 8 Ball and MJG. Uh, uh, LFM, uh, uh, 
I worked, I worked on Manny, Manny Fresh's, uh, you know, you know uh, a, a, lot a lot of people don't know, Manny, Manny Fresh's first record was a, a song called Where the End by DJ, DJ Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Where the End. Presley for crying out loud, but then it goes on from there. Al Green, you yeah. know, um, uh, Reverend Herbert Brewster, who is probably one of the greatest gospel songwriters of all time, mm -hmm. right here in Memphis. Isaac Hayes, an Academy Award winner. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Jim Stewart, Al Bay. I mean, the list goes on and on. So why do you think? Look, I already know, but why do you think that Memphis, you know, is not? I, look, I know that now, like over recent years, we've been getting a lot of 
accolades and recognition. And it seemed like it just happened abruptly, right? That that right. Memphis is being recognized more now. But what do you think was the disconnect? Like why people don't already know how bad Memphis is? Like what, where was the disconnect? Uh, the disconnect is just, I, you know, I, I can't really put my finger on it. Uh, it's just like, uh, it's, it's almost like you're good. You know, this is a good thing, but uh, it seems like the city just don't want to accept uh, that it's popular. It's a popular city. It is. I mean, it's a rich in heritage, rich, rich in history. I mean, you know, it's a city like probably most cities. It has good and bad history. You know, um, you know, I grew up in an era where you know segregation was big. Yes, so sir. that's part of it as well. But 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 the music uh, prevailed through it all. In fact, the music was a thing to link a lot of black and white people together. Because yes. if you, if you recall at Stax Records, uh, one of the first big groups out of Memphis, Booker T and the MGs. It was two black guys and two white guys. Yeah. The Barcades, the original Barcades had a white guy in it. And uh, we, believe it or not, we didn't even, you know, we weren't even thinking about race or anything like that. We were just, we all came together for a common goal, you know, trying to really make something happen. Really, uh, unbeknownst to us, just trying to get out of the ghetto. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And, and you started so early, too, and you still in the game making moves, Mr. Alexander. Wow. Wow. It is such a pleasure talking with you today, James, um, and, and just hearing these stories that you shared today on the Verbally Effective podcast. I really appreciate you for, you know, just, you know, giving your voice today and letting people know about your journey. So what's going on with you these days, Mr. Alexander? Like, what are you into now? Who are some of the musicians and singers that you like to listen to today? Well, um, you know, I have a, I have, you know, uh, I, I deal with Mr. Charlie Wilson uh, uh, quite a bit. Uh, in fact, when Charlie Wilson when he went solo, you know, I worked all his first projects. Uh, in fact, I have a plaque on my uh, wall with, uh, uh, that, you know, I worked his first project. But, uh, you know, his story is very special because, uh, you know, uh, the industry wasn't ready to really accept him because, you know, Charlie Wilson um, uh, is a recovered drug addict. Uh, people didn't want to fool with him because they said, you know, I mean, this came out of their mouth. They say, hey, I didn't want to work with, I don't want to work with that drug addict. Mm. But look at him today. So right. he's he's living proof that, uh, you know, uh, you know, you can get down, you know, you you know, you can get down, but, you know, all you can do is dust yourself off and you can get back up. Yes. And so he's a prime example of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, excited about working with them. Uh, uh, the the for, a former I want to say former lead singer of the Bar Case, uh, Mr. Larry Dotson. He goes by the name of Larry D. Now, I'm Larry helping him D. with his project, okay. and and then bring it on up. Uh, the Bar Case have a new lead singer. He's a little, we call him you know he's a little young buck. You don't like for me to say that. You know he's straight out of uh, loves. <laughs> Love. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, he's our new lead singer, and uh, we got a new single that's coming out. In fact, I got to plug the date. 2-12-21. February yeah. the 12th, 2021, the Bar Caves will have a new single called Perfect Gentleman, because, okay. you know, every woman is looking for a perfect gentleman. Yes, they like are. Like a girl like you. Yeah. Miss E. e. Looking Look. for a perfect you probably already got your perfect gentleman, but I if you do. ain't looking, you don't have you when you. I'm sure you're looking for a perfect gentleman, whatever yes. that might be. And and look, right? right in time for Valentine's too. I know what y'all doing over there. Right in time for Valentine's, get that perfect gentleman. Yeah, what about that? <laughs> wow. I like 
God, yeah. I like your little ass. Do that again. See, 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 James. James, I do want I want to ask you one more question, and and you have to answer this question. I may not do it. What, what you gonna ask me now? You have to narrow it down. What is your favorite Varkay song? If you could pick one from the old to the new, one. What is your favorite Varkay song? I would say probably my favorite. Uh, song uh, by the Barcades would have to be Anticipation. Anticipation, yes. Why? Yeah, uh, yeah, you can put that song on and, you know, and, uh, you know, hey, a lot of things can happen on that, uh, you know, with that song on, <laughs> on thing. yeah. Yeah, that's the jam right there. Okay. And you know what? I'm going to play that. that? I, that's the jam right there. Yeah, I know about that. I know it. Look, I, I've been in radio for over 20 years. I know that may not sound like a long time to you, but, you know, I know a lot about music. So <laughs> I know I'm, about I'm, anticipation. Let me interview you. Are you from the South? Where are you from? I'm originally from Beaumont, Texas, but I've been in Memphis. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've are been in Memphis. Oil yeah. field. By Port Arthur, yeah, yeah. But I've been in Memphis since 95. Oh, you, you're a Memphian now. See, that's what y'all say. That's, look, when I tell people that, they be like, oh, you from Memphis. Yeah, from Memphis now. <laughs> yes, I love yeah. Memphis. Memphis has been very good to me. So, yeah. you know, I, I chose to stay here when I was going to Lamar and I thought I was going to move back to Texas and go to Dallas. But I stayed, and I don't have any regrets. I love Memphis. Yes. Right. Yes, well, well, you know what? We're glad you're here, and I can't wait to meet you in person. Yes, sir. Uh, and, uh, and um, you know, Renisha and I want to bring you over to the building. Uh, you know, uh, instead of, you know, what I'd like to do over here is, is instead of going out for lunch, you know, we have lunch brought in. I mean, don't get, don't get, don't get it twisted. Like you finna get no big lunch. I mean, it'd be something from like Minnie's or Subway or it something like that. Good. Look, what, whatever. You, I'm happy with whatever. I'm not picky, so I'm looking forward to that invitation, and I would love to come there and have lunch with. Yeah, we can social distance. <laughs> we can social distance. And trust me, we got enough room. Whereas you can social distance. You can be on one side of the building and we can be on the other. So, you know. I got you. And, uh, I mean, we, we practice, you know, we've done all the protocol things, you know, you know, you, you'll be safe here. Yeah. And, and, and with the impact of COVID, James, how has that changed your life? COVID-19. Oh, COVID has changed my life tremendously. Um, you know, in 2019, the Barcades did 43 shows. Mm. In 2020, the Barcades did three shows. That alone. So, wow. But um, I have to say that the last show of 2020 that we did happened to be uh, for Young Dolph. What? <laughs> and, uh, uh, Young Dolph, I'll tell you a funny story. Young Dolph was, had been, Young Dolph was trying to reach me on Instagram. And uh, I wasn't on Instagram. You wasn't so on been, No, I was not on Instagram. He was trying to reach me since October on Instagram because he wanted me to play for his aunt's birthday, surprise birthday party in December, right? Right. And so the only way he got in touch with me was he was talking to Juicy J. And Juicy J, you know, because that's, you know, that's one of my kids. I mean, you know, I, you know, raised them up, 3-6 Mafia. So Juicy said, I got his telephone number. So Juicy gave Dolph my telephone number. Dolph called me. And let's do a call. You know, because he, he had he got this draw voice. Hey, Mr. J. Yeah. <laughs> I, said, is this? I started to hang up in his face. You know what I mean? Right. I started to hang up in his face. He said, this Dolph. I said, who? He said, Dolph. <laughs> Dolph? Who is yeah. Dolph? Anyway, anyway, he said, you know, I, you know, I want to talk to you. And I gave him the address to, you know, to the building. So he came by here. Mm -hmm. Dude came to the building. We sit down and talk for like two hours, mm -hmm. and uh, he told me we played for his aunt's um, uh, surprise birthday party. You know, for fifty people. I mean, and it was uh, off the chain. I bet it and, was. Uh, yeah. So uh, that that was a great connection. I mean, you know, we still stay in touch with each other, and 
don't be surprised, y'all, that the Barcades and Young Dolph gonna be doing a little something, something. See, I love those type of collaborations, though. When when the Memphis yeah. artists connect, you know what I'm saying? A, a, a amongst generations, it's such beautiful work. That's, hey, that's what we do. We connect. Yeah. Because yeah, I told him, I told him, I started out by saying, you know, I said. I said, uh, you know, I do this show for your aunt under one condition. And he said, what's that, uh? I said, you're going to have to come up on stage and spit something out. He said, oh, no, you're going to put me on the spot like that? I said, you fucking A. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot like that. So he came up. um, We did the song that he got called, uh, you know, the the Frankie Bell and Mays song that they did, California. Yes, I like that one too. So one, so we, we we did that, and he come up and spit. He come up and spit on that with the bar case, and the, wow. to make him feel comfortable, what we did is we let Al Al Capone uh, do the introduction, and then Al Capone called Young Dolph up on stage. So he came up on his with his full length mink and his uh, mink oh, shoes. I style, I style. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's ice out because the theme for his, his aunt's birthday party was a player's ball. So oh. they were always dressed up like players and stuff like that. It was just, it was only 50 people. Yeah. But it was, so it was, I mean, it was elaborate. It was great. Oh, wow. A good time. Yes. Keep those collaborations coming, James. Oh, uh, we're going to keep them coming. Uh, look, yes. we have a song too with my son, Jazzy Faye. Okay. Tell me about it. Uh, it's called Choosy Lover. It's not, uh, you know, and I hope, you know, you know, if he's, if he's a little, um, if he's a little feeling some kind of way, he'll get over it because the first single is done by his, you know, by one of his partners in crime, uh, a guy by the name of Gasner. We call him Gas Money because everybody needs a little gas money. This is the song Perfect Gentleman is written yes. by Gas, Gas Money. Gas. So that's going to be the first singles, but I'm sure that Jazzy, We'll get the second single. I mean, I mean, you know, hey, uh, uh, Jazzy, uh, Gas, and and this up and coming writer by the name of Felly. They wrote the second single called "Choosy Lover." Choosy Lover. Wow. Yeah. 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 And so when you come out here, I play all of that stuff for you. Yes. You know, and, and you know uh, what? Yeah. You I drink? Was, yes, I drink a little something. Uh, yeah. We got a full, look. We got a full bar. I bet y'all do. And you know what, James, I want you to come and be a guest on my radio show over there, WYXR at Crosstown. I have a show called Musically Effective. It's a play on words with the podcast, and it's every Sunday from five to seven. So my show is Yes. I want you to come and be a guest uh, with me live on the radio. So we'll come. I'll come to be and be live at the radio, but you got to come to the building first. I will. I'll, y'all let me know when. Look, I'm working from home. Y'all let me know when y'all want me to come. We need to come today. Today? <laughs> you can get in your car and drive right over here right now so we can go to Chick-fil-A. Oh, look, he said today at Chick-fil-A. Wow. James, thank you so much for being my guest today. How can everybody get in touch with you and follow you on social media? Because I know you got the Instagram now. Yeah, I got on Instagram now. But uh, Renisha's going to have to tell me about all that because, you know, I'm a little slow on that kind of stuff like that. But, you know, because I'm still, look, I still got a flip phone, okay? No, you don't. I know you got an iPhone over there. Nah, Let I got see. a flip phone. Let me see uh, that phone. <laughs> I, 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 I can't see it. Okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it from Renisha. She can holler it out. You, you can hear her voice. Holler okay. it out. James Alexander underscore Barcase on IG. Yes, got it, got it, got it. Okay, and um, I'm going to also put that in the caption of the podcast so everyone can follow you james and keep up with what you got going on but thank you so much for being my guest today i have thoroughly enjoyed you james i enjoyed you too because you got that you got that southern draw <laughs> so you make me feel so you make me feel so much at home thank so you i didn't get nervous i mean because most of the time when i do interviews i'd be uh and duh and all that stuff like that but you made me feel good thank now i'm gonna go to bed 
<laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that, James. And I can't wait for everyone to hear this podcast is going to post on Monday and I'll send you and Renisha all of the information. And I'm looking forward to my invite, my official invite over there. Okay. Okay. You got it, babe. All right. Thank you so much, James. You have a good day. Thank you, Renisha. I appreciate you all. Have a good one. Okay. And get you some rest because you've Thank been up you. all night. <laughs> You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, James. Thank you so much. Okay.